Good morning. I sent my brother-in-law a meme recently that was just a photograph of a brick, and the caption was, fishing brick, throw it in the air, and if it lands, it's time to go fishing. So I'm not going to throw any bricks in the air, but it is time for us to go fishing this morning. And I wonder if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5 with me. And we're going to read uh, from Luke 5 very shortly. I think probably most of us have met people at points in our lives who, when we look back much later in life, we realize were very significant for us. I know for myself, I can look back on one particular tutor when I was at university and one placement. And though I maybe didn't fully appreciate it at the time, when I look back now at the course my life has taken, I can see that that very short period of time with that man shaped and was instrumental in how my life has unfolded. I had other plans, I had other intentions at the time, but actually over time, that encounter was really significant. That encounter changed the course of my life. And we're going to read about another such encounter for Peter this morning in Luke 5. So let's, let's get into God's Word. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And we'll just keep our Bibles open. Just some background for us. Um, Simon, in this story, if you're not familiar with how the New Testament unfolds, much later becomes known by his, the second part of his name, Peter. And so you will hear me throughout this referring to Peter. And so if, if this is your first time encountering Simon Peter, Simon is Peter. It's just a small point, but probably important to clarify. So the scene opens for us here with Jesus teaching on the shore of the lake. And this, this is at a time in Jesus' ministry, as, as we've heard over the last few weeks, where he has been increasingly coming into the public awareness. Through, through teaching in the synagogues, through some of his miracles, um, people are starting to hear about this person, Jesus. People are starting to become aware of him, and so they're coming to see him. 
some of them to hear, some of them perhaps to hope that they get to see a miracle, but the crowds are starting to gather, the crowds are starting to come and hear Jesus. And that's the scene that opens for us here in chapter 5. Jesus is standing on the shore, and, and we have this picture of the crowd trying to pack in around him, trying to hear what he's saying, and they're pressing in, and, and we almost have the picture of the Lord having to keep moving backwards. And so, that's, that's the scene that opens for us. Now, I have a very bad habit when I'm watching a film, and that is that I like to look in the background. It's just a little quirk, but I like to see probably if there's been a mistake or a blooper in the background, but I, I love to see what's going on in the background when you're supposed to be looking at the foreground. And if we were looking in the background of this scene, we've got Jesus in the foreground and the crowd, and just off in the distance a little bit, we see these two fishing boats pulled up on the shore, and we see Peter and his crew and his colleagues working there after a long night of fishing. And they're washing their nets, and, and they're tired, and they're dirty, and they probably smell. And, and so there's no glamour in the background here. We just have these ordinary working men after a difficult night out on the lake, and as we later find out, not only are they tired, not only have they had a hard night's work, but actually it's been completely fruitless for them. And I'm sure you've had days or weeks like that in your own work where you think you've worked so hard and you've gotten nowhere. And you can just imagine the state of mind for those men. And, and so if we come back to the foreground, Jesus sees Peter's boat there and he steps into it and he says to Peter, put out a little bit from the land. Now, it's hard perhaps to imagine just exactly what went through Peter's mind at that moment. Um, I know I have had moments when I've come home from a hard day at work and I'm exhausted and you get the children to bed and that's a whole other fight and you finally get down to the sofa and you take your shoes off and you put your feet up and you have a cup of tea in your hand and the phone rings and it's a friend or a relative and they say something like, I've got four pallets of tiles that need moved. Can you help me lift them? And you just think, this is the last thing that I need. And I imagine that is exactly how Peter felt at this moment. His mind was already home to see his wife, to get into his bed, to put his head on the pillow. He was already there. And the Lord steps into his boat and says, Peter, put out a bit from the land. Put out a bit. Some of the commentators make a big deal of the fact that Peter owed the Lord a favor because the Lord had healed one of his relatives recently. But if we read the text carefully, we can see that it was Peter's mother-in-law who got healed. And so I suspect there wasn't that big a favor that needed owed. Uh, but in being facetious, I do think there's more here than just Peter reciprocating a favor. We see a little bit of a glimpse of something about the Lord Jesus, something about his presence, about what it was like to meet him in person. I've been reading recently a book about the formation of, of one of the, the elite special forces units, and, and it's got me thinking about what it must be like to be a commander, to be a leader of this group of people. What, what sort of characteristics does it take for someone to lead? And here, we see in, in the, the Lord's act a, a quiet but a confident and compelling authority. There's no other word for what Jesus does here other than commandeering. 
The Lord commandeers the boat. He steps into it. Just like in the films when the police knocks on the window of a car, holds up their badge and says, I'm, I'm commandeering this vehicle, which I suspect happens much less in day-to-day police work than in the films. But that idea of seizing something to use it for the greater good, that's what the Lord does here. He just steps into the boat, no questions, and Peter looks at him and obeys. Here we see in Jesus someone who can exercise authority without shouting, without brawling, without manipulating, just simply by compelling, simply by who he was, he commanded obedience from Peter. And in that particular moment when he was tired and ready for bed, this was probably the last thing that Peter expected. But in that moment, his life changes We can speculate what way his life would have unfolded. He had a wife, maybe children in the future, working as a fisherman, growing perhaps in reputation, eventually dying, buried, and forgotten. But actually, that is not how Peter's life unfolded. Peter became a disciple, and then an apostle, and then a writer, and a church father, and ultimately a martyr, and all of it for this man who had just stepped into his boat And at that most inconvenient moment, Jesus had stepped in and changed his life forever. And I'm afraid Jesus is still very much in the habit of stepping into the boats of our lives at inconvenient and unexpected moments. I was reading recently the story of a man called Clive. And he said, I went with my brother to have a picnic at Whipsnade Zoo. And we started in fog, but by the end of our journey, the sun was shining. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and when we reached the zoo, I did. I had not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. It was more like when a man, after a long sleep, becomes aware that he is now awake. Clive Lewis, much better known to us as C.S. Lewis, was to go on and become one of the greatest Christian writers and thinkers of the last century. And I don't know what particular situation you find yourself in here this morning, perhaps quite literally after a night shift, perhaps after a fruitless week at your own work, perhaps after a difficult weekend at home. Maybe you're just heading to the zoo. But perhaps this is the moment in your life when you look up and you see Jesus standing there waiting to step into the boat of your life. And the Lord then tells Peter, put out a little from the land. So push the boat out. Jesus wanted Peter to use his experience and his expertise. If you've ever pushed a boat out into a lake with no one in it, which I don't advise, you will see very quickly that the boat doesn't just stay there. It starts to float. It starts to drift. The boat for Jesus to teach the crowd had to be kept in the same spot. And he says to Peter, push out a little bit. And then he he quite literally just turns around and sits down in the front of the boat and leaves Peter to it. And so so Peter has to sit and control the boat. I remember once very young trying kayaking. And could I make that kayak go straight? Uh, the, The thing swung through the water like a window wiper. But if you see an expert... The thing glides straight and true, and that expertise in managing a boat, the sort of thing Peter did every day in his life, that was what Jesus was counting on. 
Ultimately, we know that the Lord had no need for Peter to do any of this. If the Lord wanted to address the people from the water, all he had to do was take 10 steps backwards. And we find over a few short pages in the New Testament, the Lord is perfectly capable of walking on water in much more adverse weather conditions than this. And, and what a dramatic illustration for the crowd that would have been. But no, it's not what happens. Jesus asks Peter to help him. Peter, right there in the boat that he spent every day and every night of his working life in, doing what he knew how to do best, he lets the Lord use his boat as a pulpit. I wonder if you ever considered that the Lord might want to use your life as a pulpit. Just today, just like on the shore of that lake, he could be building his kingdom in any number of ways, but he wants to use people like you and me to achieve it. He wants us to partner with him, ordinary people like us. He wants to use our lives as his pulpit to address the crowd. And what that might look like for you is going to be different depending on your particular situation. It's unlikely to be dramatically standing up. Peter was just sitting, pulling one oar, pulling the other oar. Perhaps it's letting your children see in your family and in your home how your lives are ruled by the values of God's kingdom how your lives are marked by a care and a love and a value system that stands very differently to that that they see around them. Perhaps for you, it's just being a listening ear and a supportive and a caring ear for a coworker going through a difficult time. Perhaps it's allowing the value of compassion and, and respect for human life and human dignity to shine out through you in your work. Perhaps it's being a faithful employee. And always in each of those moments, being ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Something like Hope Explored that we've just heard about. An opportunity to bring someone we have been talking to or someone we have had on our hearts and share with them this hope that we have in us. Jesus is still looking for people to partner with him today. And then the Lord tells Peter, after he's finished teaching, push out into the deep a bit more. And what I want us to notice here is how Peter addresses the Lord. First of all, he calls him teacher. ESV has master. It can be master or teacher. And I'm going to tell you in a wee minute why I think teacher is right. Um, so he says master. But by the end of this episode, he says Lord. So what has happened here? So the Lord tells Peter, okay, move out into the deep and put down your nets. We all love unsolicited advice, don't we? I can always see the mechanic's face light up when I start to suggest what I think is wrong with the car. And, and maybe you've had that experience in your life too. There's nothing worse than someone coming into your work or, or, or your area of expertise, something that you know like the back of your hand and starting to tell you how to do it. And not only is it insulting that they would start to tell you how to do the thing you know best, but whenever what they're telling you is completely wrong, well, it's a whole other level, isn't it? 
And I think that feeling that we're familiar with is exactly the one Peter would have had right now. Here we go, boys. The rabbi's going to tell us how to, t- how to fish. The rabbi's going to play at fisherman. And, and Peter sort of tries to say, you know, uh, as professional fishermen, we were out doing this all night uh, and uh, didn't catch a thing, but okay, I'm going to humor you here. And, and, and uh, he says, look, master, we, we, we can, we can. And the reason I think that word master is probably better teacher is that Peter's sort of trying to highlight, you're the teacher, I'm the fisherman. You do the teaching, and we'll stick with the fishing. And Peter's attitude really is that Jesus belonged at the front of the boat doing the teaching. And often we find we have that same attitude as well, don't we? Happy to have Jesus at the front of the boat in our lives as the teacher, less quick to bring him into the day-to-day of our lives as Lord. You stick up there in the boy as teacher Jesus, but you leave the parenting to me. You leave the being a husband to me. You stay up there and and be the teacher, but leave being an employee or an employer to me. Leave being a bricklayer to me. You just stay at the front of the boat and leave the fishing to us. What we see here is that Jesus wants to be involved in the fishing. Jesus wants to be involved in the everyday of our lives. Ultimately, why did he do this? He didn't have to help Peter catch a load of fish. He he could have made the point about being fishers of men that he wants to make later on, much every, every bit as well on the shore. In fact, from a human perspective, it might have worked quite well for him. Had a bad night fishing, guys. Tried your best. Didn't do very well. I've got another job for you. Why don't you forget about that and come do what I want? That's maybe how we would have pitched it. But that's not what happened. Here we see Jesus performing an act of completely unmerited goodness and generosity as a sign to Peter and to the crew. And so we have to ask ourselves, what was it changed in Peter's mind? How did he go from teacher to Lord? Peter had already seen a miracle. He'd seen a healing. He had already heard the Lord's teaching, and I've no doubt those two things were working away in the background. But now Peter had seen Jesus come right down into the water and fish scales of his everyday life, his own area of expertise, and Jesus confronts him with two facts about himself. He shows Peter his majesty. Peter, there is no part of your life that you are so expert in that I am not a million times more expert in. And he shows Peter his goodness and his generosity. Two boats full of fish. Three things Peter knew. He knew the fish shouldn't have been there. Fish go deep in the day. And he knew he had already tried his hardest and failed. And he was blown away by the size of the catch. And so the only conclusion that Peter can draw is that Jesus has done this miraculous and generous thing for him. And Peter is suddenly filled with this overwhelming sense of his own unworthiness. And he falls and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. 
Now, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily the moment of Peter's conversion as we would understand it, but there is a picture here of what happens when someone comes to faith. Perhaps they've toiled all night themselves and come up empty looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for some sort of a system or or a philosophy that, that makes sense of everything. And then they're confronted by the character of Jesus, by his majesty and by his generosity, what we would now refer to as his grace, by his goodness. And suddenly looking at the Lord, we are filled with an awareness of our own unworthiness and our own sinfulness. I am a sinful man, O Lord. But of course, for each of us, just like for Peter, the Lord doesn't send us away. But instead, he commissions us, just like he commissions Peter here, to be partners with him in his great project of building his kingdom. So the Lord is not content just to sit at the front of the boat of our lives and dispense words of wisdom. He wants to be down, involved in the fishing, in the day-to-day of life with us. So, we'll close. That is the Lord meeting Peter. And as I close, I want to commit the cardinal sin of a preacher and take you to a different passage, just as a little epilogue. If you have your Bible open, turn with me to John chapter 21. And here we're going to see a very similar episode unfold again, but a distinct episode. This is not the same thing being retold. This is a separate episode. And where the one we have just read and looked started right at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, this happens right at the far end. This is after the Lord's death and the Lord's resurrection. And probably significantly for our character of Peter, this is after Peter's betrayal of the Lord Jesus when Peter has, has let himself down so terribly badly. So let's read John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. I was reading the review of a book recently. The book was a sequel to a much better known book, much very well thought of book. And the sequel, quite honestly, hadn't really lived up to the promise of the original book. 
And one reviewer was being particularly harsh and said, you know, really reading this sequel, it was like meeting an old friend from school whose life after 10 or 15 years hasn't really lived up to the potential that we thought it had. And I think probably we've all maybe had something similar like that happen where we've met somebody, maybe it was a friend from primary school, maybe it was someone we did our apprenticeship with, maybe it was someone in the church that we grew up in and we meet them 10 or 15 or 20 years down the line. And when we see them, we realize that their life hasn't really lived up to the promise that we thought it had. Hasn't all come together. Last seen going great guns, but now their life hasn't really led where we thought it would. And it's fascinating and it's horrifying for us to look at. But for some of us, there is an even more horrifying possibility. We are that friend. Many of us look back fondly on a moment when the Lord stepped into the boot of our lives and put his hand on our shoulder and said to us, push out a little bit from the shore with me. But perhaps for us, like Peter, through time, through disappointments, through our own feelings, it can feel like the Lord is nowhere to be seen anymore. And we find Peter saying, do you know what, guys? I never did finish washing those nets. Never did finish it that day. I'm going fishing again. I'm going to stick to what I know and, and get my life back on track. And perhaps you feel like that yourself. And out they go, and they fish all night, and they catch nothing. And the echoes of that moment years ago for Peter could not have been stronger. And this voice calls out across the water, caught any fish, cast the net on the other side. And Peter looks up on the shore and he sees the Lord standing there waiting for him. And what I would say to you this morning is that as a Christian, if perhaps you feel your life has gotten off the track that it once was on, and that it can feel like the Lord is not here. Look up. He is standing on the shore waiting for you, just like he was that first day so long ago. The Lord loves you, and there is nothing that you have done, experienced, lived through, or failed at that the Lord is not prepared to put his arm around you and say, come back to me. So we're finished. Fishing with Peter and the Lord Jesus. The Lord commandeers the boat of our lives with that quiet and unassuming authority. The Lord is looking for partners in the work of building his kingdom. The Lord confronts us with himself and changes the view that we have of him. And the Lord is still waiting on the shore for each of us. Amen.